Hey guys, Brian Jodis here today talking about Onnit. Onnit is a health and fitness juggernaut dedicated to delivering total human optimization to its vast customer base of athletes, thinkers, fitness gurus, entrepreneurs, and yes, podcasters. Through a wide array of products and supplements, Onnit combines cutting-edge science, earth-grown nutrients, and time-tested strategies to help people reach peak performance. And we have two killer deals for you today. Number one, they're giving away for free a trial of Alpha Brain. All you have to do is pay the shipping and they're hooking you up with free Alpha Brain. No joke. I just took mine with its trademark ingredient blends. Alpha Brain builds an environment in which the brain can operate on all cylinders. You're like a locomotive. All you have to do is click the on it link in the show notes or it's on this show page as well. Click that Alpha Brain on it link and go scoop you up some today. Need other on it products? We have you covered there as well. Use the promo code PICK6, P-I-C-K-S-I-X when you shop at onnit.com and you'll save 10% off just like that. Go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com and get after it with the promo code PICK6 or click the link in the show notes for some of that free alpha brain today. Jeff Forster is one of those guys that when you meet him, you say, this guy gets it. But he admits he lost his way, but through hard work and the grace of God, he got back on track. We're talking about putting the work in for endurance on today's Pick Up the Six podcast. Back again for another episode of Pick Up the Six podcast, and I've got my man Jeff Forster with me today. What's up, my brother? Hey, how's it going? It is going great. We're going to open the kimono a scotch. You and I have been trying to do this for like months now and just schedules have been crazy. And I've honestly had a lot going on and I had to move it a couple of times. And I'm so thrilled that we're locked in and doing this. In fact, you said it before we came on the air. If we get moved again, it's just fate. Maybe it's not meant to be. Yeah. But here we are. No. No, I'm I'm really excited as well, and I know that we we first met through Brad Lord through your yeah. F3 connection, and yeah. we did an IG live, and since then we've wanted to have another conversation. So um, here it is, all formalized. That's right. It was super fun, and we'll share uh, that Instagram live video uh, in show notes and on the show page and all that. So you guys go back and watch the conversation we have. I was just so grateful to have the chance to chat with you on that uh, on that day, and and just getting to know you. You know, this is one of those blessing and curses of social media. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of crap, a lot of bad stuff. There's also a lot of really good. There oh, is yeah. a lot of really good in this ability to make these connections. And I think we're kind of living proof of that in how connections can be made on those platforms. And we can really get to know each other and and lock shield on some on th- some things that we that we want to move forward with, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And the the key to what what's happened with us is we've made that intentional um, decision to communicate with each other. Cause you can, you can be a consumer of social media and scroll and swipe and like, and making a comment every now and again, but through, like you said, is the rich friendships that I've developed over the last few years, a couple of years, really on Instagram specifically has been absolutely mind blowing. I mean, it's been life-changing for me and it's because each person you make a connection and then you pick up the phone and you have an old timey conversation. And then it's, I've had the the benefit of being able to meet quite a few people in person, which takes the relationship even further. And it wouldn't have happened without 
the initial Instagram. I totally agree, man. And it's one of those where you're right, like that intentionality, I think, is the key to how we're able to do that. And, you know, the theme of what we try to do on this podcast here is share these stories about, you know, folks among us who have kind of gone above and beyond themselves through service before self, strength, the purpose, community impact. Jeff has done a lot of those things. So we're going to share a little bit about that. Uh, a great, uh, a great follow on Instagram. And, but I want to get to know you a little bit. I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. They can't see you. Right. But you got uh, a guy that's got, he's got full sleeve tats. Right. You seem to me like a guy who believes very much in, Life is about those who you surround yourself with, right? And mm -hmm. what that influence is like. So just tell me your journey, man. And then we'll jump in. We're going to talk about a book you wrote, <laughs> Mighty Warrior Council, a project you're heavily involved in, this really cool 29,000 foot elevation event hike you just did. But I mean, let's kind of, let's kind of get the, give me, give me the story. Let, let's get to yeah, know you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I will. <clears throat> It'll be somewhat abbreviated. Um, so I'm a Floridian by birth and actually fifth generation Floridian. So my family's been here forever. Yeah, go Gators. Not, not common. A hundred percent go Gators. I'm glad you said that versus the other one. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's been a rough year, but we're going to get through it. Yeah. It's all, we'll, we'll turn it around. I tell um, you, man, listen, my, so yeah. to, uh, my first quick dovetail, my uncle uh, was a master's student at Florida before he ultimately got his doctorate at Oregon state. So he bounced around a little bit, but he was a master's student in Florida when Danny Warfel, Jack West green, uh, I kill right. All those year, guys yeah. were there 96 when they beat the Knowles in the sugar bowl to win the championship after losing to him in the regular season. So I got a little, I got a little gator love. For you I love it. Family. I love Appreciate it. And you that. know it. That's perfect. Um, so growing up in Gainesville, that's where I grew up. Yeah. Um, just, you know, having that opportunity to be around that and um, being in a college town was was always an interesting way to be raised. My family is a family of um, entrepreneurs. You know, um, they, they own their own businesses. I grew up, my dad had a toy store and a hobby store. Um, so that was always a fun thing. And, and it's a, and I know we'll touch on a lot of different things, you know, when people hear, Oh, you know, your dad had a toy store. The, the key to that as a kid was, it was the lesson that he taught is mm. that you don't get anything for free. Somebody still has to pay for that. And so I got an employee discount growing up because everybody thought I got free toys. I was like, Nope, I still had to pay for it. And I, and I didn't even get it at cost. I got it at 25% discount. Right. So. And you probably had to go in and work too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And for me with, with my dad is that anywhere he was, that's where I wanted to be. I mean, mm -hmm. he was still is just my hero and, you know, being in a, a, a business that you own yourself, he was there from morning until night, every day that it was open. So I didn't have a real strong, I would say a, a relationship with him. I loved him tremendously. He loved me tremendously, but that generation, a lot of them just didn't know how to show it. And his, his love was providing. So my mom stayed at home, he worked and, you know, we had success early and then Toys R Us, Kmart, Walmart, they came in and just really smashed the whole toy industry because of the margins and just the cost. So we, he struggled and through that he shifted to hobbies and then he was a smoker, life, pretty much a lifelong smoker from the time he was 14. And then he was diagnosed in, with cancer in November of 1990, my junior year in high school. And I started working at that point. 
Um, so through that, he passes away eight months later. Um, my mom and I take over the store and then we run the store through my time in college. So I went to Santa Fe Community College first and then the University of Florida after that. <clears throat> um, and then just have been in sales forever. And then from that, um, you know, have had a lot of different paths within the healthcare pharmaceutical industry. And then um, fast forward a little bit to 2006. Well, let me rewind a little bit. So growing up, I was a fat kid. And so I struggled with weight. And it wasn't because of genetics that I that everybody told me it was. It was because I ate like absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, so, that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. If you eat a ton of food and don't exercise. Mm -hmm. um, so through that, I realized that the weight was unnecessary. And so I started to lose the weight. And so um, by the time I graduated high school, I was 270. And then wow. by the time I graduated college, I was uh, 190. So I had really put forth the effort to focus and ride my bike to class, but then it came down to food. So I just mm -hmm. ate a lot better, lost the weight, got into sales. Um, and then in 2006, met my now my wife, um, Tammy. So we were talking about Instagram and I, that, yeah. the reason why I fast forward to that is we met on match.com. So I have a history of meeting people on yeah, yeah. internet websites. Sure. <laughs> Seems to be working um, out. Okay. You got two beautiful kids. It worked out fantastic. And so uh, we met through that and then um, got married in, in July of 2006, had our first child deuce 2008. And then my daughter, 2010, did a little stint in Pennsylvania for a year for work. And then Pfizer bought the company I was with, laid us off. And then we moved back to Florida because I'm a Florida boy at heart. Um, so we've been in the Orlando area since 2011. I love it. And then through all that, I picked up the desire to start running. And then oh, through that, it's morphed into um, more ultra endurance mm -hmm. events yeah. is what I've, I've really enjoyed. So the running career has been fun. I'm not fast, but I'm focused and I'm disciplined to go the distance. Yep. Um, and, and it's been incredible. Like we were talking about with Instagram meeting people run, the running community has been a lot of fun to meet. And then just, just people in general, that want to get better. That's like you were yeah. saying, surrounding yourself, you have to sometimes put yourself into groups that you might not have been mm. real comfortable with. And so most of the communities that <clears throat> around health and fitness are very accepting of anyone who's interested. They're not all always measuring each other by their performance. It's more of measuring you by your effort. So if you yeah, come out, yeah. work hard and you try, you're going to get the respect from everybody. And so that's been a lot of fun for me that gets me to hear. Um, you had mentioned my tattoos. So my wife always likes to mention, she's like, you know, when we got married, you didn't have any. And so my first one was for my son. And then they've all kind of developed from there where I get one or two a year and what I like about them is it doesn't fit my personality. Um, I'm pretty straight laced by the book, um, kind of people have called me a Boy Scout, even though I never did Boy Scout stuff. But, um, you know, when all of a sudden they see that I have full sleeves, they go like, wait, what? And then, yeah. the, then yeah. they think that I'm different. And that's 
And I think that's, what's pretty fun for me is that people immediately make a judgment when they see something like that. And then they meet you and then they realize that what their perception was, was, is not the reality. So it's a good lesson for me and for others is don't always judge a book by its cover. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. In fact, I remember seeing one of the early things from you that, you know, that popped up uh, on my way. And I was like, man, full sleeves, nose, Chad, right. Navy seal three and seven project. Oh, this guy must be a spec op dude right? <laughs> that did some stuff. And then you know, get to know you a little bit. No, that's not the case, but I've also seen you surround yourself with a lot of people like Chad who have served. You're wearing a shirt right now that says serve on it. So tell me a little bit, and I want to come back to this endurance athlete thing, but tell me a little bit of just about, you know, gravitating towards those who have worn the uniform. And I know you put a lot into giving back to that community who like, like me, right. My dad, my brother, a lot of loved ones, dear friends that have just given us so much, even if we haven't put, you know, the uniform on. Right. It started at an early childhood. You know, I was born in the the late or early seventies, but my dad was always around it. So my Great. So on my dad's side, I know more of his history than my mom's side. The so my great granddad served in World War One in the army. My granddad served in World War Two, and actually he was one of the he was in the group that liberated Dachau. Um, and then my dad served in the early '60s, so right before Vietnam. Pre-Vietnam, he yeah. saw the writing on the wall and got out while he mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. before he got in. Um, so, for whatever reason, and growing up watching, my dad loved John Wayne movies. You know, all those movies that came yeah. on Sunday after church, we would watch, and they were usually war movies, and it was all things that I enjoyed and I liked because it was cool to watch because I love guns. The other thing that he did is was to teach me respect for the position and for the Mm. people who took that step to make that commitment. And I felt like that's where I was headed until he got sick. And then once he got sick, I realized that wasn't in the cards for me. And I look back and I think, you know, getting to know these guys and learning more about the service, I don't even know if I would have made it. I was growing up, I was quick to quit things Hmm. as soon as they got hard and boot camp, regardless of which branch that you go into, it's not easy. And I wonder looking back of where my mindset was, would I have made it? I mean, they would have made me make it, but it would have been a, a true challenge for me from that perspective. But so all that, I've always just gravitated towards that. I guess growing up with GI Joe and and all those different um, things that um, really put it in a positive light. Then you have the, the ebb and flow of where the military is perceived by the public, mm-hmm. and now fortunately, it's in a good light um, that our servicemen and women are actually, um, you know, given a lot of the respect and a lot of the resources that they deserve. And that's, I'm honored to be on here based on all the previous guests that you've had that have done so much for our country and they've sacrificed and their families have sacrificed so much. And so um, I'm honored from that perspective. That I know you probably agree. Uh, I feel a real um, obligation, right? I feel an obligation to, to share those stories, not for me, not for people to come on here and listen to me. I, I feel an obligation 
to, to introduce people to folks like Chris O'Toole, who we just had on the episode before this one. You've never met Chris. You'll never meet Chris. You walk into the grocery store, you could see Chris. Nobody knows him. Chris is just a regular guy who was in the army during Iraq and is now a cop uh, and dedicated his life to his country. But what he was asked to do on deployment with these mass grave assessment teams. So when what we came back to was like, think about when you say thank you for your service, what that means, like what that guy's been asked to do, just some guy walking down the street you've never met. And that's my whole point is like, I just feel a real obligation to help share those stories and use the God-given talents that I know that I have from some awareness. Right? Look, I know this is what he designed me to do. Connect people sure. to bigger than themselves, share these stories. And so uh, I probably like you feel an obligation yeah, you know, to be well, around that community. And they're so supportive. They, like, like the endurance athlete community, similar to the guys that I've met that are not all special operators, but a lot of special operators, military folks, there's just, there is, they've got their brotherhood that I'm not a part of. And I totally get that, but there isn't a welcomeness. There is, there is an embrace if you're genuine and real about who you are. When you think about like my granddad's generation, <clears throat> he saw horrific things mm. in what he oh, encountered. Yeah. And that generation, it was encouraged to not talk about it. And so the lessons that, that they could have passed on are gone with him. Like you'll, you'll now will, I'll never get to know his story and the things that you're doing for the people that you're interviewing one, it's awesome that they feel comfortable enough to share, but think of the legacy that you're allowing them to leave to their family because it's recorded forever. I had the privilege, a gentleman that was like a grandfather that went to church with us. And then after my dad passed away, just took great care of my mom. And he was a conscientious objector, um, a medic in the 101st, went in on market garden, got captured in Battle of the Bulge. But as soon as I found out about all that stuff, I was just blown away and fascinated. And I remember we had a a plastic model club. And so we asked him, I asked him, I was like, would you like to come in and tell your story? And he said, yes. And he actually tape recorded it. I wish I could get, I had the tapes, but um, none of his kids ever asked him about it. Yeah. And the story that he told was amazing of what he went through, um, through his service and, and through being, being captured in a German mm -hmm. POW camp and then being on the train and getting strafed by P-47s because they wasn't wow. painted POW and the the final guard and his, it was like an, a 70 year old or 80 year old guy and his grandson were the guards that had no bullets in their rifle. And it was just to, to hear the things that he did, those are gone forever. Mm. And so it's a, a great opportunity now that there's so many different avenues for people to tell their story that is so powerful. One, it's extremely therapeutic. Like people, you have to get that stuff out and the horrible things that, that they've seen and done, um, not horrible things that they've done. You know what I'm saying? It's just sure. the, the, the things Listen, that have, some have been asked to do yeah. very incredible things. Yeah. And it's just, I, again, I applaud you for doing that. And I'm glad that you see that as your calling because then that's genuine interest in allowing them a platform to tell their story. 
Well, if I'm not genuine about it, there's a three-star general that's sitting downstairs because I'm at his house right now that'll have my butt. So we, you know, we got to be careful about those things. I want to come back to this. You talked about sort of, uh, you know, endurance athletes. Um, I love folks that run 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, all those things. What I have noticed in this endurance athlete community, specifically if you're doing multiple events like that a year, these long events, these ultra marathons, the 50 Ks, the 50 milers, even the hundreds. I was at a hundred mile run a weekend ago because my friend John Fry was raising money for healing transitions. And he did that 24 hour run. I was able to go out and run two blocks of them. So it was almost 20 miles by the time the weekend was over. He did a hundred. It's incredible. But there is this neat thing. And I want to ask you this. So, so you said it's not about how fast I run or the results I get but it's about putting the work in. What, what, what does that mean specifically as it relates to, to that athlete and that sort of community of athletes? I think some of it is when you're running those long events. So the longest one I've done is a 50 K. And so I've got another one coming up in January and you'll love it. It's called the Hellcat 50 K it's in green Cove Springs, Florida, outside of Jacksonville nice. on an old Hellcat base. So you run around the, the base. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Um, a lot of it is though, there's so much training that's involved. 5K, 10K, really even a half marathon. I would say 60 to 75% of the average public could go do a half marathon tomorrow. They're going to hurt the next day. They're going to walk a lot, but you can do it. I mean, it's 13 miles. Um, but when you get into that 50 K range, it's more, there's a lot of training. So it takes a lot of self-discipline just to go. Like I'm looking at the training and it's, you know, it's really, it's seven days a week. You're not running seven days, but you've got to stay pretty focused on that training plan. But then when you get there, people know what you've signed up for and they know what you're up against. And you, you have, again, it's not everybody's awesome, but I would say 95% of everybody that's there is encouraging whether they finish first or whether they finish last. And what's really cool are the people that will stay just to cheer the person that's finishing last on. Like when in sports, do you see that where people mm -hmm. will stay, they may finish, you know, finish a, a, uh, a 50 K in five hours, let's say four hours. Some of them are just, it's crazy how fast oh, they run. It's nuts, days. man. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but then the last person's coming in in nine hours and they choose to stay there when they could have already been home yeah. showered and then done whatever else, but they choose to stay there because they, they know that that person put as much effort into the race as they did. And if they didn't shame on the person that ran faster, they didn't put their whole effort in. So it's really neat. And they're just the personalities. Again, everybody's like, if you don't have food, they're giving you food. If you, if you need water, if you need tips, if you yep. need whatever you need, yep. Yep. it just, it's, it's a wonderful place that everybody's cheering. Everybody's having a good time. And Yes, everybody gets a medal, but if you get a medal, you put forth the effort. Yeah. So it's not the the environment that we encounter a lot with our children that everybody gets a, a participant mm -hmm. medal. But this is a real big deal to go yeah. do a 50K and to finish. I feel like what, one of the things that I've noticed 
specifically over the last few years, this has kind of been my foray into it, just being around these events, is there's such an incredible camaraderie and community. There's something about, especially if you're doing a 50K or a run like that, that's got like a central meeting point where you can rest, get some food, get some drink. Like you crewed Aaron, uh, Aaron Dana at mid state this year. We'll talk a little bit about that too. Or like when we're doing the Oakwood 24 or when my buddies are doing the Mike Fiorito race for second place, all, and there's famous ones all over the place, but that central place, it, it's just such a camaraderie to where you're right. If you're like, I need a salt tap five, six people are going to hand you one. Yeah. Right. If you need something, or if you need help, that that's what I think is just so neat about it. And there's picking up the six all over the place. It's just such oh, a yeah. experience. Yeah. Cause you'll see people out and you can see if somebody's struggling or not. Yeah. And there's no question. Somebody's going to help you. Yeah. You know, they're going to sacrifice their time. Most of people will sacrifice their time to help you get where you need to be. And, and again, everybody that runs these also knows the head games that you're going through <laughs> yeah, and right. there's a ton of head games yeah. you'll start and you're feeling good. And then for whatever reason, your body's thinking something different and you, you hit a wall early, earlier than you may think you are. And then somebody talks you through it or you're having to talk yourself through it. So as much as you're preparing your body to run it, everybody's preparing their minds. So most of these people know what it's going to take to get mm -hmm. through that because in a 30 plus mile race, you're not going to be riding high mm -hmm. mentally the whole way. And that's where like I, my goal is I want to do a 50 miler and I want to do a hundred miler in 2023, hopefully. Um, and so I got a great hundred miler for, if you're willing to come up yeah. to North Carolina in early to mid December. Yeah. It's a perfect place to do one. Yeah. I like flat. So <laughs> this one's pretty flat and it's through a historic cemetery. So it's got, oh, cool. it's quite, it's quite a powerful, it's quite a powerful, powerful run. You've also been on the side where you've been able to crew, right? So Aaron Dana ran uh, the midstate mile this year. Give our listeners just a little bit about what that race is. If they know Chad, if they're a follower of Chad on social media, or if they know three of seven, they've likely seen it come across. So you've done where you've run them, but then there's also incredible, impact and i get a lot of gratitude out of supporting my friends or loved ones that are that are doing an event like that as well after doing that that's the first race i'd ever crewed anybody and that to me was way more fulfilling than running any race mm -hmm. 100 but that's the way that's my makeup too but it, it's absolutely incredible so the mid-state mile is a it's a wild race that John Cox and Becca Jones put together and it's in um, Franklin, Tennessee, and it's a mile course, but you have 348 feet of elevation gain within that mile. So there's two big Hills. Okay. It's just a mile. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's no. the saying. It's just no. a mile. So you go up and then you run and then you come down Mm -hmm. And then you, you cross over. It's so like it's sort of is like a figure eight, right? Yep. Yeah. And then you go back up and then come back down. And the, the, the mid state mile versus the Tennessee mile, you have 20 minutes to do that lap. Okay. So no matter what, how long it takes you, you have to be in that corral ready to go when he blows that whistle for the next lap. Otherwise you're out. And is everybody going back out at the 20 minute mark? Right. Yes. So you wait. Right. So to come in, whatever time you got left, that's your rest time. Then you're back out. That's how they correct. Were. I got correct. You. Okay. So Chad won it the first year. 
And so he shared his, his philosophy and he runs 18 minute laps. He comes in rest for two minutes and go. And it was so fun to see a lot of people that'll come in a lot faster, but then he's just Mr. Consistency just never broke mm-hmm. that. He might come in a little bit early or a little bit later, but it was almost clockwork of how he paced himself through that. And he won it again. I mean, he went over a hundred miles. Um, it was like how 30, many hours, how many hours, 38 miles or 38 hours, I think. 38 hours. Wow. Just kept grinding it. And Aaron made it through the night, made it, and it was hot weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did fantastic. And, um, it, it, but being in the, so you come around, so there's a, 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 a corral that everybody gets to crew themselves. A lot of people only crew themselves mm-hmm. just because space is limited. Um, we were fortunate to be able to help several guys. And then Aaron's one of our group that went, but what, what they saw on the course was different because we got to see everybody's story unfold where they're in their own world running around. We get to see all the people that dropped way earlier than they thought and were just emotionally devastated by that. And then other guys that just kept grinding and they literally went as far as they possibly could push their body to the point where, you know, it's the middle of the night and a guy's like, no, you're good. Keep going. He's like, I can't go. And he's like, no, you got to keep going. And it would like, push him out of the corral. And he's like, you can't turn back around. You have to do a lap. And he'd come in and do a lap. And then he would end up going and do another one. And yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It was just awesome. Well, you talk about, you talk about the mental game, right? So physically running for 38 hours, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. But to do it on a one mile course, you get to run that thing a hundred plus times. Yeah. Your brain will start doing some weird things. I would assume. I mean, I've never done that. I can, I just, I can only imagine some of yeah, the, cause you're not sleeping. Like, you're no. really eat. Yeah. I mean, at, at points when you do ultra events and somebody told me about this and I didn't believe it, but you get to a point where you don't want to eat. Like you physically, yeah. you can't eat yeah, and you sure. have to actually force food into your body. Otherwise you're done. You have a problem. You have a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. And just to see them just continue to go through and, and battle those things. And mm-hmm. that was one of Aaron's things is he had his routine down every time he came in, he had his salt tabs, he had his drink, he had his food. And then we just, you know, helped along the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but the, the key to that is consistency in any of those. And it's, it's that mental of, okay, I cannot break my consistency. Otherwise it's all going to unravel. uh, That's why a guy like Chad, I think is so successful. One, I just love a man and or woman, but in his case, I love a man, former military guy who is so strong in his faith convictions and not scared to, to tell that to the world. I admire that so incredibly much, but then also when it comes to these endurance events, I mean, he just, he has a mental weapon that other people just don't I mean they, he just, they don't, he's like, how long do you guys want to go? I'll be out here until we're done. Like he just has a different <laughs> mental capacity. Oh, he's wired different. And right? he's just I wired different. those top tier team guys, just like top tier athletes, mm-hmm. they're just wired completely different. Like what their brain yep. tells their body and what yep. they tell their brain 
is not what most people do. It's not reality for most of us. No. And what's great is Chad and a lot of these other, they share their secrets. He's like, just, you know, don't give your pain a voice. Don't, you know, your tongue is your rudder. And Mm -hmm. those were all lessons. He practices what he preaches, you know, with the mid-state mile, he came in and said, he's like, look, my quads were locking up at hour 13, but I was not going to say anything about it. His feet were all messed up and just wasn't going to say anything anything about about it. it, And the more you can really focus and understand the power of the words that come out of your mouth, the better you'll be. And that was one of the things that I learned Hmm. um, through other people, but he said it so eloquently and and Goggins did the same thing um, is, you know, you've got to be careful what you say. Because yeah. yeah, the more that comes out of your mouth saying simple things, you're reprogramming or programming your subconscious, which is where habits exist, not in your conscious. So you've got willpower, but habits eat willpower for lunch. I heard that a couple of years ago, and it's so true. You can say, I want to do this, but like my dad smoking, mm-hmm. you know, he wanted to quit. But he never he always presented excuses because he knew it was going to be hard and just decided it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Um, And that's where hopefully people will see with these different events that the more you can be positive to yourself and you can tell yourself what you're capable of instead of selling yourself short, you will always get more out of your life than you thought you could just by saying the right things to yourself. Yeah. yeah. I find, um, you know, even on, even on some of those long training runs, like training for a marathon or training for, uh, you know, um, uh, six man BRR, you know, you get on some longer runs. And I think in, in some of those moments, you can begin to do that, you know, and it's, it, it kind of, it's like the Jocko thing. Remember, you know, you know, uh, you got fired today. Good. You didn't get the promotion. Good. You know, you, you're feeling tired. Good. Like, good. What, what, what can you take out of this? And, to go go back to what we said at the beginning, take joy in the journey. Like I remember most of the training that goes into some of the events. Now I have some great events I've done with my friends. We did that six man relay uh, this fall and we had an incredible experience up there together, man. I wouldn't trade any of that because you're with those guys and you're all kind of going through it together and nobody's really sleeping. You're driving the van through the through the mountains. You don't know where you're going. Like I got to run again. I feel like I just got done. I'm trying to eat some chicken and rice. Nobody wants any. And those moments are incredible, but there's also so much joy in the journey, you know, to get there, which I think is, is important. All right. Also for you this year, 29,029 feet. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's the equivalent height of Mount Everest. And you had 36 hours to hike, run, however you're going to get up this year, I think you were in Vermont for that. So tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah. So this experience was, um, one of the co-founders of it is Jesse Itzler. And so I first read his book living with a seal and that's Mm -hmm. what got me really on a good journey and adventure of kind of doing more than I ever thought. I could. who, who was the seal that lived with him? Goggins. Yeah. Isn't there this, if I remember correctly, there's a moment where Jesse's laying in bed and it's like three in the morning mm-hmm. and he wakes up and Goggins just sitting in a chair, like staring at him. Get up. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny now that everybody knows Goggins, like when you're reading the book, you're like, this guy's crazy. And you're like, okay, I can yeah. see that. Sure. I can now see you're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I got it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so anyways, Itzler and then Colin O'Brady is one of the other founders. He's the one that um, did the solo trek across, I think it's mm-hmm. Antarctica. 
Yeah, um, he did. He, he he did. Rogan did an amazing episode with Colin where they talk about that that entire journey. Oh, good. I'll Colin like unfairly uh, attacked by some writers, and, and it was a whole. It was a, it was kind of a rivalry between Discovery and Nat Geo. Go listen to the Rogan episode. It's incredible how he talks about everything that went into doing it and the amazing feat to do it all by himself. Yeah. Yeah. He done a ton of other cool oh, yeah. stuff too. Yeah, he's awesome. Is he, is, was he also rowing Drake's passage or something like that? He's done. I think stuff. so. He's done wild stuff, wild, wild stuff. <clears throat> and he just continues to, and to hear a story, it's pretty cool. So 29029, the event um, is really, it's a, it's a great lesson in, building your life resume. That's what Jesse mm. talks about doing is, and also doing hard things. And so when I first heard about it, it was back in 2019. Um, I, I, Chad had done it and um, we, I followed along with him and then kept seeing more and more things as I was becoming more um, present on social media and something just hit me. I was like, I got to do this. And um, so I, I researched it. Then I saw how much it cost. And normally, as soon as I see a price tag, I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, I guess I can't do it. But it, it just kept nagging at the inside of me that you've got to do this. You got to do it. So I went and I talked to my wife. I mean, it's a it's a big investment. Yeah. And um, so I said, what do you think? And I was like, I don't know why. I was like, I prayed Something about it. Something tells me I got to do it. I've got to do this. And yeah. it, I, I, it's just in my head and I can't get it out of my head. Um, she's like, okay, you can do it. And so um, I signed up. I mean, I literally, as soon as it hit and they launched it, I, I may have been the first or not one of the first people to sign up for it back in 2019 for 2020. Mm. So um, I signed up, I was already started the training. And then what we all know happened was mm-hmm. COVID. So it happened in October. It was supposed to happen in October of 2020. Um, and then we went up in 2021. It played out exactly how it needed to for me. Like it was, I'm so happy that it got canceled in 2020. At the time, I didn't think until I finished it in 2021. The reason being was they did a virtual event for each event. So they did, um, um, so they do Vermont, Utah, and Idaho. And then this 2021, it's Vermont, um, Utah, and Whistler, Canada. So they're Mm -hmm. going up there. Um, So they did virtual events for each one. Well, when you did, you, if you wanted to do it, you're like, fine, you could push your registration. So it didn't cost you anything. Um, So they created a WhatsApp group and Zoom meetings. So you could have that community event. So the goal was, is to move um, a certain number of hours would be equivalent to summoning a peak. And so if you did 20 hours in 36 hours, you summited Everest. So you just had to move mm-hmm. because they knew people couldn't get the elevation because they could get the elevation, but then they're adding so much by coming down that it's just, it's rough. Um, and so that being able to do that one, that was hard moving for 20 hours you didn't have to do yeah. it 20 hours straight but yeah florida in october it was hot it was brutal yeah so what's the training i'm right because like you I can't just been, duplicate that you can't there's nothing you can do right and so what my what i set forth was i wanted to run 
a 50K. So that way I, I knew you. I could say, okay, I did a 50K. So I pushed to do the 50K without stopping. So I did the 50K, I finished. And then I was like, okay, now I can rest. So I took a break, try to get through the, the heat of the day. But then you're checking in. Like they were checking in every hour and they would send you WhatsApp text. And so it was a really cool way to meet people mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, and so get through that, your height, you're walking at night, you're texting people, like how many more, you know, can you get another hour in the night? And so somebody was like, I'm going to get one more. And then I'm like, I'm out. So it was a fun way to go back and forth. So then fast forward to 2021, when we all got to meet face to face in Everest, there was more connection there. Again, people that I had not met, but I started following on Instagram and learning more about their families. And then Colleen, who's the voice of the mountain, she knew more about everybody than she would have. So to me, it made the event that much more special and intimate because of the people that you ended up getting to meet. Um, So for those who don't know, so 29029, they go around and they rent mountains. And so you hike up and you take the gondola down. And so you hike up whatever the elevation is, the number of times to equal Everest, which is 29,029 feet. So for Vermont, it was 17 trips up the mountain. Oh man. And you talked about Chad with the mid state, Brian, I'm telling you, I got sick of walking up that same mountain over and over. Cause you knew the places that just were brutal and we're talking. And you're also like, I got 14 more of these. Oh my like goodness. Tw- you try not to right be a negative, you know, kind of I when I started running, I was the worst. I'd go out for a six mile run, and be like, I have five miles to go. I have four and a half miles to go. It's like it's the worst way to do it. But right. on a thing like that, you can all you you probably can't help but think, I got 10 more to go. I got five more of these to go. Oh yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, you're counting them up. And for right. me, because it's it was um 1,780 vertical. I think it was 1,785 vertical feet in a mile 0.35. So a mile and a third. I mean, it's like straight up and you hit certain places that it kind of levels out. Then it's straight up again. Um, And then they had signs that was like, okay, you're at 500 feet Mm, of elevation. You're at a thousand feet. You're at 750. So you could at least, you knew, okay, here's it. I'm at 1,500. I only got 200 you know, 50 vertical feet to go. And you were talking about the mental side. So I was all prepared as well as I could physically, I thought. And then mentally, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to have dark moments. This is what's going to happen. And it was the first lap. I literally, so it starts at 6am. It's pitch black. You're packed in with 200 plus people. Uh And I'm not kidding you. I'm not even a quarter mile into this thing going, what did you just do? It's, it was that rough out the gate. Well, and it wasn't that rough. I don't know what happened to my brain. And I remember I'm telling myself, shut up. You're on yeah. the first lap. This is not that bad. Um, and so I just kept going. But it was a it was mentally mm. me telling myself to shut up the whole way up this thing. Because, yeah. again, I'm coming from flat Florida. I'm not used to like what that's going to feel like. And like you said, then it was mentally, it's like, you've got 16 more of these to go. Yeah. How are you going to do this? And that tells you how crazy our brain is that if we don't tell it what to do, it's first 
you know, natural instinct is shut it down, dude. This yeah, is self-preservation. He's trying, trying to, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Go sit down. But I fought through it. It was my fastest lap, actually my first lap. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was like, after I got through that, then it got much, much better. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you feel like you kind of settled in at some point? I did. I did. You settled in until you hear that weather's coming and then mm. it gets dark. Mm. So when it gets dark there, I mean, they tell you everything, like you're going to slow down. You're not going to enjoy it as much at night. And part of it is you can't see like the milestones that you go, right? Like you just keep walking and then all you've got is a headlamp. They don't yep. light the mountain up. Some, something about that, something about those hours in a headlamp in the dark. Yeah. It's a and then knowing that it's about yeah. to rain. Yeah. And, and so coming through it and, and the, it was just unbelievable because of the people that you encounter and that you talk to. And I thought I was going to have more conversations, but everybody gets in their groove mm, and then they just yeah. go kind of just going through the whole thing. I ended up, I didn't use my headphones at all. I just hiked and it was such a wonderful opportunity to go through that and to push constantly because of the, the validation that I didn't need distraction. Mm, like yeah. just hiking was enough yep. and just me being in my head. And I thought I was going to be in my head a lot more, um, but I wasn't because it was just, you're literally your head's down and you're just looking at each step. And it's a, it was a valuable lesson for me to just to realize is when things are tough, sometimes just put your head down, focus where your foot's at, and then take another step, take another step. And before you know it, you're at the top. And Jesse's big thing is when you get to the bottom, just turn right. Don't think anything about it. You get off the gondola, turn right and go back head on back up. And he did a a great um, talk beforehand and he's like, do the math. So know what you've got left because most people that mess up, mess Mm -hmm. up on the time and they get behind and then they're having to rush or they time out because they got messed up on the time. But the other thing he's like, if you're going to rest, rest on the mountain. And that was a really, that was a powerful. Yeah. Cause you don't have a choice, right? You rest at the bottom. You could easily be done. Yep. He's like, just go. If you got to sit down, sit down. But, and he's like, just rest on the mountain if you've got to. And that's a good life lesson is that you may need rest from time to time, but don't always seek comfort to get the rest that you need, but just keep pushing and just keep going through some of those things that you know are going to be tough, but the fast forward to the end. So the other beautiful thing about the whole thing is my wife was there. Yeah. And so she was at the bottom and then the last day she was at the top. And then my buddy surprised me at one of the aid stations. I had no idea he was going to be there. And I go up on an aid station and there he is. Oh, you got a shot of life, bro. Oh man. And it was, it was at a good point. Like he, and not only did I need to see him emotionally, but physically, I was kind of running, getting run down and he gave me a banana with um, honey and it just Boom. changed my life. Yeah, <laughs> it changed my life. Um, and that's, again, that goes back to what you were saying about community and friendship. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you just need a buddy to give you a banana with honey on it and yeah. it just change everything. And don't be, you know, don't have too much pride to not accept that because some, most of the time, other people see what you need more than you do. Mm. Um, and that was again, another powerful lesson, but it was through all the hiking, doing the math, resting on the mountain, all those things 
it was that final walk up. Now I'm wearing a red hat right now because that's, that's it. That's all you get when you finish this thing, but it's like the only people that have this red hat are people that finish the event and they do such a, a beautiful job. They have like a red carpet and it's roped off that can, when you are ready for that one, that's what you go down. And I get to the top and my buddy was videoing me. And the only thing I could say was I did it. It, it was just, it was that simple. I yep. just kept going and it got hard at the end. And, you know, again, having my wife right there and, and seeing her is that that was like my Super Bowl moment mm. from a, from a, uh, an endurance perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I can see where people doing 50 milers and hundred milers, or it could be somebody else doing. I remember when I did my first marathon, what that felt like mm-hmm. is it's just, it's an incredible moment that other people got to celebrate with you. And like you were saying with the endurance events, the volunteers and everybody was there. And most of the volunteers had previously done the mountain so they could relate. They, so they knew know. right yeah. where you were at and what you were feeling and allowed you just to get overwhelmed by that and support that and encourage that. And it was, I mean, it was a feeling that I, from a sports perspective, I haven't had in a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. How long did it take you? What was the total time? 34 hours. So I did get to sleep. So I slept, um, which was, I knew my body really well. That's the other thing is just knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the training is understanding what your body is telling you and listening to it. And I just knew I had to sleep. And fortunately my sleep timed perfectly when it rained. Um, so I slept and then I went to bed about 10 45 and then got up at three and then got back on the mountain by four and then didn't stop until four o'clock. Um, yep. Yeah. That's and awesome. it was, and that's the other thing is then you see people that are coming up. Like once I hit lap 13, 14, there's more people with their red bibs, which is, signifying their final ascent and they were excited for you and you're really excited for them. And that's the thing is that you didn't get any, at least I didn't see it. Anybody going, Oh, why is he on his final ascent? And I'm not, it was more Mm -hmm. of a, Hey, Mm -hmm. I I wish I was on that lap with you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, it was an incredible event that I, I still process a lot of the stuff that, that happened up there, but it just got me in a good place when I came back, because you're outside, you're experiencing all these things that not many people get to experience. Yeah, that's incredible, man. I love I love the story behind it. Uh, congratulations. I mean, what a great experience. And then have your wife there with you, too. I mean, just what a what a neat what a neat thing to be able to do. All right. Before we go, we got to talk about the Mighty Warrior Council, um, because I'm just really uh, intrigued by it. There are uh, a ton of similarities to what my friends in the F3 space do. Uh, And there's just, I'm seeing more of this. I'm seeing more of this come up, which leads me to believe that there are men that are being unlocked, awakening to this idea of being the warrior, being, being masculine, being good in that space. Right. Sure. Tell me a little bit about that project and what you guys are working on there. Yes. So Tim Douglas and I, we had, gone back and forth wanting to do something individually, but then collectively for people to help with the that personal development space. Mm-hmm. And we were watching a better man event um, that's based here out of Orlando. And so he came down and we were watching it and we're like, this is what we have to do. We've got to combine forces 
and come up and develop a community because there's quite a few that are out there that are really successful and they're really powerful. And they all have, they seem to have some vein of faith that runs mm-hmm. through them. But at the time I hadn't seen any that were God first specifically. And I was like, this is, this is what we have to do because I know for my life, once I got my priorities back in line with God first, everything else has fallen into place and keeping God first is a challenge and guys need to find a community with other guys to know that you shouldn't be embarrassed to say, I'm putting God first. Mm. I'm submitting to his plan for me. I'm, I'm going into this understanding what he can do for me. And then also helping beyond that of, you know, the, the personal development. So you have like church, which is, you know, you go to church, you learn about um, God and, and Bible stories and, and valuable life lessons. You just don't see a whole lot of the personal development, professional development that goes along with it. And so that's what we decided to do. And that's the, the Mighty Warrior Council. And the three words that we center everything around is integrity, discipline, and valor. And if you can have those things as a warrior, you can lead your family, you can lead your community, you can lead yourself. And, and those are critical. And you Mm -hmm. said it earlier, the importance of a community, Um, you know, we're, we've got a lofty goal this year of where we want to see it because we know that guys need it. The guys that are in there, the growth that they've had and that Tim and I have had in a year is unbelievable. And I was just, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Sean Ryan had an episode with DJ Shipley. Mm. Um, and if you get a chance, watch the whole thing. Cause yeah. Okay. But fast forward it to four hours and five minutes. Now I was watching it this morning and he was in a group of other team guys and they were going through and sharing a lot of things. And these guys were opening up and sharing about significant trauma emotional trauma that they had even back into their childhood. And he said at the time, he goes, I looked at him and I called him out on it. Hmm. And I was trying to figure out where this was going. And he, I won't use the language that he used, but he was like, how dare you not share the things that, that you just shared because I've suffered for 16 years alone thinking that I was by myself. Now he had an obligation as well. He could have been the first one to share, which would have been, presented an opportunity for those guys to share. But what that, what that meant to me and how it resonated with me today was as men, we're not normally encouraged to talk one-on-one now, and it takes the strength of one to share. And once you start to share, you see everybody else, especially if it's the quote unquote cool guy in the group, Mm -hmm. because then they go, well, shoot, if he's dealing with those things, yeah, yeah, I'm dealing with them too. And then next, you know, is you're all helping each other. And then we talked about this last night on our uh, council call is that once you share and you ask for help, you've taken all the power away from that thing that's causing you problems. Yep. Cause you're like, look, I can't do this alone. This is really giving me an issue. Now you've just, you've, 
enlisted all of these people around you to help you and you put your ego aside and then you ask for that. And, and it's been incredible to see again, how other guys and even Tim and I, how we've grown just in a year of sharing these type things and having good deep conversations and, and just looking into each other and locking arms and saying, look, we can, and it's all over zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to do our first event in, in March that we're really excited about. Um, because we know the value of seeing people face to face. Yeah. It's um, exciting. So, man. Yeah. And it, it's just incredible. And it, you know, trying to do for me, do an individual coaching and trying to start a community by myself, it just never felt right. It just felt kind of forced and it was about me. And then once we put this together for the mighty warrior council, it has nothing to do with Tim and I and everything about helping guys get a relationship with, with Christ and putting him first in their lives. And that's the ultimate. So like, that's our mission field. And that's where we know that we can help guys come together and get stronger and be good leaders in their home. And then that's what masculine is. And then being good leaders right. in their community. That's right. Uh, tell them quickly where they can go find out. Cause this is the kind of thing where folks are going to be listening. I'm going to have guys listening to this show or maybe even some wives are like, I want to make sure my husband knows about this. Where they, where can they go find some information? Sure. So we've got, it's the mighty warrior council.com, but then also mighty warrior council on Instagram. If they just search that everything's there, there's links in the bio that'll get them to everything. Yep. You can also follow me. It's Jeff and the number four Esther on Instagram. And then we see, we see what you did there. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. A nice little play of yep. words. Yep. Um, and then Tim Douglas inspires is the other one. So we can get them any information that they need. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. If, if there's a guy listening, right. Or even a, uh, if there's a woman listening and thinks about her husband in this space, and you mentioned something before as it relates to being an endurance athlete and it's the words that matter, right? What you tell yourself, what, what you allow uh, yourself to, to think and how you can redirect that life is incredibly challenging, right? We all have numerous challenges and sometimes it feels as if the sea is washing over the boat. What, what I, what I'm hoping in these efforts or like things we're doing with F3, or even when I see like order of man or, you know, just all these different, I feel like a lot of this is sort of coming on now, which I'm very excited about, right? Yep. Ray Cash and those guys are doing this modern day night project, right? More of this. I love seeing more of this. Great. I want more people in this space, but specific to the way you're doing it. I want men to face these challenges and then I want them to stand in victory after it's over, like the warrior that they are. And it could be, it could be a huge, massive issue, or it could just be some issue you're having this week. But I want you to remember, like when you tackle it, when you ask for help, when someone comes alongside you, and then you get a, you get victory over this thing that's trying to stop you from accelerating, stop you from protecting your family, stop you from providing, stop you from being the husband that you're supposed to be or the father that you'd be. When you take that on and you take it down and you can stand in victory, think about the empowerment that comes with that. Right. And, and, and right. And so that's where I just get fired up about this. Cause I'm like, good, let hard, fine. We're supposed to suffer. Suffering gives us endurance. Endurance gives us character. Character gives us hope. And then I stand in victory over top of it, whether it's a physical feat or a mental feat. And that's why I'm just fired up about what you're doing. Cause I'm like, good, prepare these men to stand as warriors in victory, put the armor of God on and go get the win. That's right.
That's right. I mean, because we we've got to do it. We've got to 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 not fall victim to the narrative that's trying to be preached today in, in mainstream media, yep. um, because it it's it's critical for our family, our children to see the example of what real masculinity is yep. and what overcoming things are, what asking for help is and how important that that is. And you can't do it alone. I mean, it takes a village. We're, right. we're community-based people. Yep. We always have been. Yep. Yep. You got to get around people that can help you and you've got to ask for help and you've got to be looking guys for the guy who probably needs to be asking for help too. So there's the challenge in that too, right? Keeping your head up. Look, I've got to be willing to check the ego at the door. Fine. You know, it's like, Oh man, I can't ask for help. I'll take care of it by myself. You got to disavow yourself of that notion big and real quick. Just move <laughs> past it, right? Fast. Check it. We're done with it. We're yep. not doing that. Right. You need help. Yep. Let's get help or be looking, right. Be looking for the guy who might need it as well. Yeah. It's good stuff, Jeff, man. We could do this for hours. I know. I Maybe know. not for four hours. I mean, that's, that's incredible, man. So good, man. I love, I'm, I'm so glad we've been able to finally have this conversation. We're not, but a few days away from Christmas hitting us here. So just timing of this feels, it actually feels like this is, this feels is the right, right time, right? Yep. It is perfect. You're right. Cause I think we we're actually trying to do this before you did 29029. So this actually works out. I'm so, I'm just so grateful for you. Tell them again where they can find you uh, and where uh, folks can get to know you a little bit. Yeah. So I'm very active on Instagram. Again, it's Jeff for Esther. So Jeff Forrester is my name. Um, that's the best place to go. And then they can find everything there about me and follow along. And, and hopefully, you know, something that I share will resonate with them and, and help you get through what might be a tough day or give gratitude for a great day. Yep. I know it has for me and we haven't even met in person yet. And just, just watching those things happen, right. Watching you encourage your son as he's playing football, killing it by the way. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Uh, and just watching, right. Be, being, finding that ability to be intentional and find some proximity to someone that, that can, uh, that can uh, give you an example. Right. Uh, which is incredible. Uh, it's called the mighty warrior council. You can go check that out. Also, he wrote a book. It's called unleashed potential, the simple steps to the best version of yourself. Highly recommend you guys go check that out as well. And Jeff, thank you, my man. I hope you have a great Christmas. Yeah, you too. Appreciate it. He is Jeff Forrester. I'm Brian Jodas, and this has been pick up the six podcast. 